to play the, uh, sing these two hymns about prayer, and especially this last one about power in prayer, because that's the subject of the message this afternoon, power in prayer. We're going to be in <coughs> Matthew chapter 6. Uh, <coughs> Pastor Humphrey has been teaching in Matthew 5, and that part of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure he's probably going to be working through this this uh, portion of scripture soon or at some time or other. <clears throat> but so it's important to remember as we look at these verses that uh, in, in the, the last verse in chapter 4, it identifies the audience as a mixed multitude. And there were people from all over uh, uh, Israel, Decapolis, which was 10 Roman cities, and, and as well as the, the Jews, there were believers here, the apostles were there, disciples were there, but there also was a whole mix of other people from different, perhaps even some Romans. Who knows, there were people traveling through that country that in, then as in now, the, Israel is the center of the trade routes through the, the then known world. Israel still remains to be the hub of the of this world's existence right now. God has a special care for Israel. But <clears throat> this matter of power in prayer, when I started putting this together, uh, I, was, I came up with an example that I've seen in, of uh, the results of power in prayer. I hadn't decided until just recently that I was gonna, I'll bring this example, this illustration at the beginning of the message rather than at the end. Um, in Brother Doug's Hammett's ministry, beginning from the time he left Lehigh Valley Baptist Church, moving to Bots, Francistown, Botswana, uh, we've seen, and he's asked that his ministry be bathed in prayer. Um, of all the missionaries that I know and we support, I don't know anybody that communicates more with his uh, his, not his sending church, but his supporting churches as Brother Hammett. And very, very, very often he asks prayer. He asks for specific prayer for different needs down through time. <clears throat> when, when he was more or less kicked out of Botswana, he went into South Africa and rather taking it as, a, as a defeat, he took it as enough more opportunities. He announced that. He went to work. I remember at one time he specifically asked for prayer that God would give him a number of disciples. I can't remember if it was six or ten. <clears throat> and we prayed about that. And I'll reveal to, to you, maybe for, uh, he, he's the number, besides Brother Noah, he's the number one missionary that I pray for. Because he's always in my face about prayer. In my emails, sometimes every week you'll see an update, you'll have a prayer request. And, and so we prayed and prayed and prayed. And in the last, well, the Facebook post I saw last week, remember we, we prayed about that he had 22 men he was trying to assemble from five countries. Do you understand the scope of the ministry that, that God has given him through the power of prayer? Five countries, South Africa, Botswana, Malawi, Mozambique. Uh, well, there's five of them. And in that, in that picture, he had a, 
picture of 18 men that came to this, this uh, Bible con conference with this Bible training session. 18 men, and have the opportunity to look at 18, and not, not six or 10, but 18 men that are in, in service for the Lord, being trained and discipled, and are out in the field, even now in their respective countries, sharing the gospel, all as a result of power of prayer. So, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Well, I wrote this down, I've heard this too, as the prayers go up, the blessings come down, the blessings come down as the prayers go up. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. It says, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. God says he's going to answer prayer. It says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Let's go to the Lord, and then we'll continue. <clears throat> Wonderful Father, you're a great God and only. It is in this moment in time that each soul here could hear from you through this message, Lord, that we get a closer vision of who you are and what you'd have us to be about in the personal ministries uh, that you set before us. We thank you, God, that you're faithful to answer our prayers in accordance with your will, Lord, that you're anxious to hear from us, that the, indeed the, that the lines of communication are always open between we and thee, because you never fear coming before your throne of grace with any need large or small. I humbly pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, before we start, I thought we'd uh, take a look at some other people's thoughts on prayer. There's an anonymous uh, quote that says, if Christians spent as much time praying as they do grumbling, they would soon have nothing to grumble about. And <clears throat> If they were to, to rank this as A-team, B-team, or C-team, I'm an A-teamer when it comes to grumbling. Um, it doesn't always that way. I think it's gotten more as I've gotten older. But I've learned to use that as a mechanism to deal with it, to deal with situations. You just grumble about something that you see, that something's happening, you know. <laughs> well, step back and problem solve, and quit grumbling, and get something done. Uh, that kind of mirrors what, what I learned when I was working, running the warehouse for Crescent Electric. Uh, salesmen are always asking you to do the impossible, and so you had to figure out how to do the impossible things to make possible the things that were impossible. And I grumbled a lot, but then I learned to, to problem solve and get things done and get going. Don't sit and grumble, don't fret and sue, go on with things and get a solution. Benjamin Franklin said, work as if you were to live a hundred years, pray as if you were to die tomorrow. D.L. Moody 
said this, we are not told that Jesus ever taught his disciples how to preach, but he taught them how to pray. He wanted them to have power with God. Then he knew they would have power with man. And the commentator Mueller said, prayer is not merely an occasional impulse to which we respond when we're in trouble. Prayer is a life attitude. So, in last week's message, we learned a bit about God's empowerment in the inner man so that we can lead victorious Christian lives, that we can be powerful in our witness, we can be powerful in our testimony, and perhaps most of all, that we can have power in prayer. Why do I say this? Because we may not every day have an opportunity to, be a, to give our testimony or to be a witness wherever, workplace, <coughs> wherever we might be, but every day we have opportunity to pray. Every day we have opportunity to pray. If we wake up, <laughs> we've got the, the portion of our, of our conscious time to make the decision to spend some time with God. So we're just going to go back over this quickly from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 20. Paul said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. He said, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, <coughs> goes on. He's talking that about in that Acts 1-8 power. But you shall receive power, after that you shall be witnesses unto me. It's that dynamic power, it's that power to be about the service of the Lord. It's that enablement, it's that empowerment to be what God would have us to be. And in verses 17 through 19, we were challenged to live spirit-filled lives. Verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And we differentiated there between, in verse 17, where it talks about that Christ may dwell in your hearts. If, every, if a person is saved, the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in them to make this physical self his dwelling place, his home, his abode. God wants to move in and he wants to be comfortable here in this uh, hulk of flesh that we live in. <clears throat> it is possible, though, that we can quench the Holy Spirit by not being in accord with his word, but allowing sin to come into our life, to let any number of negative characteristics overrule what we know to do and to be about. And so then to be filled with all the fullness of God is not a one-time thing, but it can be an, an often-time thing. The Bible says if we walk in the Spirit, then we should be filled with the Spirit. And so when we give 
remember we talked about how that the Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this is a, it's a part of our conscious being to empty out ourself of sin and self, to keep, to keep this, as much as we can, this lifestyle that, we, that we're in, to keep it free from distraction, from sin and temptation, that the Holy Spirit can work in and through us, uh, hopefully most of the time. So the Bible says there, and when thou prayest, this is in verse 6, or verse 5, there's the assumption there, I believe, I don't think that, I'm going to be interesting to see if Pastor Humphrey is going to teach this as one of the commandments uh, that Jesus gives, but certainly Jesus was implying that if we, if we love him, if we have that agape love, that he's given to us, that if we're exemplifying that to the world and to him, then we're going to want to communicate with him. That, would, that, that prayer will become established as a matter of course of life. And so <clears throat> when he continues to instruct them in, in, uh, in verse uh, Verse 10, in that model prayer, is after this manner pray, therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. He wants us to recognize our God for who he is. Sometimes it, it might be even like the, <clears throat> the Old Testament <clears throat> prophets and so on. There's different times when Jesus would appear to people. He told them to take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. Maybe there'd be some times when we should take off our shoes and consider that we come into the, holy, the, the presence of a holy God when we offer up prayer. Uh, the fact that he then, in, in some short verses there, really, he gives an outline for how to pray. Um, give us this day our daily bread. To forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. We'll, we'll talk about, the, that's self-explanatory. We'll look at the, uh, the one about our, our debts and our forgiveness of debtors in a little bit. But, and then he says in verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, <clears throat> this is the only verse of this section here that I really studied a little bit about, because it's one that I didn't really know anything about. And first of all, I need to be reminded, it says, the Bible says, James 1.13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of, tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And so we need to get the idea that, as I think it was taught about today, that God does allow trials, he does test us different times as he did Abraham, though certainly not in such dramatic ways, that we can be uh, about his work. It's similar to what David prayed or he talked about in Psalm 141, verse 4. David said, Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. And so he simply, the intent of this is that he would not suffer us or allow us to sin. To hold his 
discretionary disciplinary hand over us at times, that we would accede to the, to the movings of the Holy Spirit that is in us, that we'd be surrendered to the God's will, and we walk in that spirit rather than the matters of the flesh. He says, deliver us from evil. That's a Greek word there, poneros. It's also used in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, where it talks about the evil one, the devil. Um, we can't win any battles against the devil in our own strength, but God, um, <laughs> nothing ever tests and triumphs over God. And so when we have concerns, even spiritual terms about, about spiritual persecution, uh, take them to the Lord. Don't, don't fight against Satan. Put your fight in God's hands and let him fight for you. Uh, the devil has a will. He certainly goes around as a roaring lion, seeking who may devour. As a rule, the lion out on the veldt he doesn't roar except when he attacks because he wants to freeze the, the prey for an instant. They freeze and he gets that extra leap in before he can get, so he can get to his prey. But Satan also works as an angel of light. And sometimes we may not always discern the workings of Satan in our life, but <clears throat> if we hold things up before God, he can help us to see those distractions, what they truly are, and not allow ourselves to be caught up in them. So, <clears throat> even as I was uh, working on this message, the offhand thought came to me, you know, uh, you know, this is a little bit stiff and formal. I like to be a little more offhand when I pray. But then it, it came to me, he began this prayer after this manner. And so I believe that God does want to have a structured prayer life. And he goes on to say, when you enter into thy closet, when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee. Well, <clears throat> God is not, I'm not going to, I'm not saying, God is not saying that he is not in spontaneous prayer. Indeed, probably most of the prayer that I make, most of the prayer that you make may be on the spur of the moment as you're going through life, as you have thoughts about a certain concern. With God, again, the lines are always open. So pray, pray, pray. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart. When you have a concern, you know, like the hymn, take your burden and leave it there. That's the best we can do in any situation. And he does, when he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, that's exactly what he means, that we would have that, as Mr. Mueller, I believe it was, said, that prayer is a life attitude, um, that we make a decision that we're going to establish close times with the Lord when we can uh, offer up some of those things that he's put on our heart. And in that, you know, <clears throat> do you ever use a prayer list? Well, I do. I have them, and I don't always use them as I should. 
But what a prayer list can do is it can help you to remember the uh, special needs that, of our brothers and sisters, uh, the, like in men's prayer, the Friday, Wednesday night prayer. My memory is awful poor, and it's getting worse. But if I have something to look at, um, that helps me to remember those concerns, and those are some of the, the concerns that I want to get bring before God and make sure that he knows that I'm concerned about this, that I would like to see him work in this area. But he certainly desires that we have some special time alone with him, and that time may be hard to, to, to establish and to maintain. Nevertheless, it's something worth fighting for. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, the neglect of private prayer is the locust that devours the strength of the church. It was well known that when, when Spurgeon prayed, they had a very large auditorium that he prayed in. And there was sometimes, I don't know, there would be a thousand people in there, but they say there would be a hundred or more people in the basement praying for the souls of men. Because Spurgeon understood about the power of prayer. God wants us to understand about power in prayer. That we can access that power, that that power, that power to be about His work, to meet the challenges of this life, and on into the next. So this closet, then, in this sense, it was a spot. The Jews had them. It was a spot for retirement. It was a place to go where you could be quiet and alone with God. You know, even. Uh, Sometimes you just need to take a, a time when you can take a good deep breath and sit down and bear your soul before your God. Come before him and tell him what you feel about him in that moment in time, what you mean to him. And then to offer up prayers for others and then, and then yourself. The Jews often constructed a special room on top of their flat roof dwellings. This has been equated with the upper room mentioned in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, this is after the, after the time of Pentecost, it says, when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, all 11 of the apostles. And it says, and these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplications with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So in my mind's eye, what I see here in this, in this room were the apostles together praying, I see the women together praying, and I see Jesus' brothers. I think he had two or three brothers, and they were all praying with one accord for one thing about the matters of, of that church. So, what am I saying? If we want God's power in our prayers, we need to do it God's way. But again, he wants us to have structured prayer. He wants us to have specific prayer. He wants us to have some special close time with him. And he also wants us to, you know, like I said, that most of our prayer may simply be spontaneous prayers. We're going through the day. 
when we have a need to voice it to him. Five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds to let God know. You know, here, Lord, help me. I need some help here right now. Right now. Take a deep breath and go on. Hold it up before God and let him work. Let him work in your life. Let him show you some things. Let him touch your heart. Let, the, let you know, you, you ever get that, that, that thrill from the Holy Spirit when, you, when, when he just tells you that he's happy with what you're doing? It's wonderful. Years ago when I was working, about maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, but I remember I'd be slaving away in the, in the workplace, and I had it set up when I got home. The first thing I'd do is I'd sit down, and I, I always had a message when I was going into the jail every week, and I had to get a message ready. And I, I'd be just thinking through the day, when I get home, I can start working on that message, and the Holy Spirit would touch me. He says, yeah, I spent all the years doing that. It was just wonderful. Nothing better than knowing that not only is you on God's side, but he's on your side. So, we need to make uh, prayer a priority in our life. For many, uh, I know you probably have in your devotion time, morning time, before you go to work or get going in the day, to take some time and get alone with the Lord. That's, that's for me. I have got plenty of time now. I can do it. Especially I try to have some time in the morning to kick off the day. Nothing I love more than opening up the curtains and seeing the, seeing the beauty in God's creation and uh, just talking to him a little bit. Brother Seth talked to me about he has a closet in his truck on the way to work and he prays specific prayer for members of our church. Maybe you're on your way home from work, you have a little bit of time, shut off the radio, and talk to the Lord. Maybe it's a few minutes in the break room at lunchtime. Maybe it's in the evening when all of your kids are in bed. Maybe some time for mom and dad to get together. But it's also said that the family that prays together stays together. And so, really, there should be an altar that moms and dads establish with their children to pray, pray with them, to teach them, teach me to pray, Lord. Well, uh, just about anything that a child is ever going to know, they're going to have to be taught. And uh, <clears throat> one of the some of the girls gave me a record player for Christmas, and one of the on one of the records was by a country country star. I think it was Dan Reeves, and one of the songs was uh, "Daddy Teach Me to Pray." And the actual lament was that at the end of it, uh, he didn't know how to teach his son to pray, probably because he didn't pray. That was a sad thing. It ended as a sad thing, but it should, it would be a sad thing, Dad. If when your sons, your daughters get older, 
and you ask things how they're going in life and the roof is falling in on them and they say, well, how come you never talk to the Lord? So, well, Dad, you never taught us how to pray. We never prayed together. So pray with your children. Teach them the importance of prayer. Talk them to about Jesus. Talk them to about God in heaven. Talk them to about God on his throne. Make them understand who God is and the importance of having a relationship with God and having communication with him. And so, <clears throat> verse 5 in our text talks about praying sincerely, not as the hypocrites that love to stand in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets and so on. Well, I don't believe that we have that much, if any, in in our New Testament churches. I don't, don't know that. But it's about a heart attitude, isn't it? You remember that Jesus was, was, was teaching this, he was preaching this to a mixed multitude of people, of Jews and, and saved and lost people. And for the, for the lost people, they needed to know and understand that, that prayers without, with God, without Christ, are just empty prayers. That the Pharisees that crucified these people uh, were religiously lost. He'd already told them in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. That was an eye-opener to the Jews and to all those people. Because any of them had any interest at all in getting to heaven, they were now being told they weren't going to get there in a way by the established authority, but it was going to be through coming to know God as your Savior. And so he doesn't want us to be, to be praying out of simply uh, just to pray. Uh, in the Greek and Roman society, the hypocrite was an actor. He would sometimes have a mask that was before him or over his face presenting emotions that weren't real. We don't want to pray that way. We want to pray what's real from here. We know God wants us to pray sincerely, but sometimes it's hard to. I know <clears throat> many times, many times, I prefaced my prayers by saying, Father, you know I don't really feel like praying. I'm tired, I'm hurting, I'm distracted, but I know I need to pray. So please be merciful, God, be gracious, and hear my prayer. And pray. God wants us to pray from a clean heart. In Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Known sin is a barrier to answered prayer. That's why the model prayer included the words, and forgive us our debts, our sin debts, as we forgive our debtors. What Jesus was saying, we, we first of all, to seek forgiveness for our sins, and to resolve the difference between us and God, but also to resolve the differences between us and man for those that are around us. 
forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, there's that matter again of, of uh, you know, there's a difference between allowing things, you know, forbearance. There's sometimes we just need to forbear things. We need to let things slide, okay? You know, easy to do, hard to do. Well, <laughs> it depends upon the situation. But that's what God does with us. Forbearance means we simply don't, we just choose not to act. It's better, it's better to deal with things and allow little things perhaps to make us better, but not to let us make us bitter. A little bit, you know, you can, a little bit of bile, a little bit of drop of vile, a, a little bitterness can, can really spoil a life. And it can grow into uh, an awful, awful uh, situation that we can find ourselves in. And so deal with our sin as we come to him. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And you know this very, very well. And we need to remember that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Again, if we're, if we're emptied out of sin and self, if we're living, trying to live that holy, godly life before God, he can then answer our prayers in accordance with his will. And I've come to believe that Satan fires most of his fiery darts or they come at us thickest when we set our heart to pray. The, the commentator Cowper said, and Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint offer up his, upon his knees. Uh, God hates prayer because he doesn't want us communicating with God. He doesn't want to have the access way open and free between us and God that God can work in our life, that he can use God's power to work through us. He does not want that to ever happen. How does he do that? Well, he's, he, he uses the world, the flesh, and himself. Satanic depression sometimes to upset our life that we not pray. We don't, there's a lot of things that you can put on the back burner, but don't put prayer on the back burner. That needs to be something that we need to be tending all the time. You know, the pot that's on the front burner is one that you're, you're, gonna, be, you're gonna keep after all the time, huh? Well, put that, pot, that prayer on the front burner and keep something that you're gonna be actively about. Then in verse seven, of, uh, of our text, he says, but when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen word, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Interestingly, that word, the Greek word, batalugio, is the same for use and vain repetition. So, it could read, and use not vain repetition, don't use vain repetition. If you wanted, if you wanted to uh, paraphrase that from what it says in the Greek. Well, perhaps this was a caution to the apostles, and later to the Jewish believers to not pattern their practices after the Pharisees, but it's also perhaps a, a 
an, an encouragement or a, an admonishment to not allow our prayers to degenerate to something like that. Um, that. That term in the Greek, it talked about, again, somebody that would use uh, endless, you know, kind of like, you know, Kind of like sometimes when, it, when you get you're sitting with a teacher, you know, they're going, going to go around and around and around and around, and you want, not Pastor Humphrey, but you go around and around and around and around, you wonder, when are they going to get to the point? <laughs> you know, draw the bottom line, condense this down. Well, uh, sometimes God wants us maybe just to do that too. Instead of praying around and around and around and around, case okay, not, get to the point, tell me what you want. You know, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. An example of this type of, of vain repetition was from First uh, Kings chapter 18, verse 26, where the, uh, Elijah met with the, the encounter with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. <coughs> they set up the, the sacrifices, you know, and uh, <laughs> he told them to make your sacrifice and then call down fire from heaven, you know, and whoever, you know, whoever your God honors will know their to know they're the real God. And so these uh, prophets of Baal, it says they, in, verse, in Kings 18.26, says they called on Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. And there was no voice, nor they had answered. And they got more and more frantic. They were cutting themselves and going on. And finally, <coughs> evidently around uh, the evening hour, they gave up. You know something? You know who they were praying to? They're praying to Baal. Baal was another another uh, term for the a demonic spirit, for Satan. Satan worked through. He set up all those those pagan religions. Satan heard those prayers. Don't you think he'd have liked to uh, to have brought fire down from heaven and and put the stamp of authority on those 450, 850 prophets of Baal and so on? He bet he would have. Couldn't do it. God will let him do it. But when Elijah prayed, he prayed in accordance with God's will. First Kings 18, 36, it says, It came to pass at the time of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near, and he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. And he says in verse 37, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. He's asking them to, to, to bring repentance, turn their heart back to him. And it says when all the... And verse 38 says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifices and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. It's perhaps one of the most dramatic miracles in the, in the Old Testament. For us, we need to know that our God is a God of miracles. And that he can and will work miracles on behalf of his children for, the, for his glory. 
I wonder how many sincerely maybe got saved that day of those people that witnessed that, that, that some people really said from their heart that he recognized the Lord as their God and only. Well, I'd be surprised if there weren't some that know Israel was a, was a stiff-necked, recalcitrant people, but God saved individual souls. He doesn't save, he doesn't save nations. He saves individuals. He saves souls that are willing to surrender to him. So anyway, this is a perfect example of God's power in prayer at work. You notice the fervency evidenced in verse 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, for the purpose that thy people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. When we pray that way, God is honored, and he would have us pray that same way for the souls of men today. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. For the souls in Skagway. Hear me, Lord, oh, hear me. For the souls that are in Luna, in Case. Hear me, Lord, oh, hear me. For the souls of all those that have received the material we sent out, we're waiting to hear from you on behalf of some of those souls. God answers his prayer in accordance with his will. But I believe if we access that power of God, we will see God work miracles. Maybe not in every village initially on the, on, that we've, that we've uh, sent out material to, but why not believe that in time we will? Might be 20, 30, 40 years until the Lord returns. Might be tomorrow. There might be much time that for this ministry to grow and bud and prosper, even, even as we've seen it in southern Africa to spread across the, the, the whole southern part of that continent. We should pray that God would work that same way here in Alaska in the souls of the native peoples. So, while it says in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven, and all upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. So, He's not saying to not pray, and again, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray uh, specific prayer or spontaneous prayer. But sometimes just get to the point with them and lay it down before them. Again, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. You know, the Eastern religions have their prayer wheels. The Catholics have their Hail Marys and other prayers. Um, the Bible says they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. They must be born again and they must worship him in accordance with the dictates of God's word. Uh, his word is the truth. And of course we need to always pray believing that God will answer our prayers. It says there, when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall 
the word be open. Again, I've used this illustration about the little old, little Athabascan lady, the copper basin, Ena Nikolai, an old, old lady, a Christian lady, and she would say over and over again, she was known to be a prayer warrior. She said, my God, he answers prayer. She'd seen God answer her prayers for souls and for, for him working in uh, the, the people of her family and of, of the Copper Basin, and the, especially in the, in the uh, uh, trying to think where she was from, sorry. Well, one of the, one of the, the barriers to prayer is ourselves. Um, Jesus, God did say in, in John 14, verse 13, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified. But he also said, in James chapter 4, verse 2, said, ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain, ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not, and ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. So again, the, that heart of prayer is very, very, very important. What are we really praying for? Are we praying for God to work? Are we just praying to pray? Uh, do we have a, an, a, an unholy, unrighteous agenda for what we ask God to do? I'm not saying you can't pray for your, against your enemies. David did all the time. It's called imprecatory prayer. I pray it all the time. I do. I'm praying that, that the, that the uh, Ukrainians are going to put the kibosh on the Russian army. But there's Ukrainian people that are saved. I know there's Russian people that are saved too. There's been lots of Euro, uh, Ukrainian Christians that have been displaced because of the wickedness of one man working under the hands of Satan. So I pray he gets brought, taken down. Let God work. So we should also pray specific prayer to wind up. 2 Samuel 15, verse 31. That's one of the things about Brother Hammett, what I like about when he when he lays stuff out, you pray this way. Here, I want you to pray for respect, knowledge. I want you to pray for, for Abraham. Uh, for Manisi, we're praying for her. If they can do this, they can go to the village. Pray for those men from the snake, from the snake farm. If they can go out, they've been doing it. They, God answers prayer. He wants to hear from us, and He wants to hear some names. Sometimes He wants to hear some specific things that we're holding up before Him. Classic example of this is what occurred in the time when. When David was being displaced from the throne by his son Absalom, <clears throat> David had numbers of, uh, of uh, counselors. Number one was Ahithophel. And we know that Ahithophel, it's a long story, was that David had committed fornication with adultery with Bathsheba. He'd gone into her, got her with child, was a, was a party to the murder of her husband, Uriah the Hittite. Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather, and he harbored a grudge, and did. And when 
when it came time when Absalom was chasing David out of, out of Jerusalem, um, one of David's men that was with him, one of his counselors said in, in chapter uh, 15, verse 31, and one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And so that implied that Ahithophel knows everything about you and how to get at you. And David, said, and David recognized this, and, he said, and David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Very, very clear, very, very succinct. He wasn't jumping up and down, whining and complaining. He just asked that he would confound the counsel of Ahithophel. And so what it came to, that's exactly what Ahithophel did. He went to, he went to, to uh, Absalom and he said, this is what you need to do. You need to get right after David, get out there, take him out while you got a chance. Hushai was another one of, of his um, counselors and Hushai said, whoop, 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 you can't do that. David's going to come out, and if you go out there, you're going to get cut off. You're going to end up losing the whole thing. And it, in the end result was, in 2 Samuel 17, 14, Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the, the counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had a, anoint, appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. And that's just what happened. David needed that time to consolidate the power with his mighty men. When he had everybody together, when Absalom's men came, they wiped them out pretty much. Absalom died, <coughs> and Ahithophel went out and hanged himself. Well, perhaps the most important aspect of this study is simply that power and prayer is available to all believers and that it only comes from God. In Ephesians 3, we learned that God, through Paul, gave the truth very clearly and succinctly, but it's also made very clear in Scripture that power in prayer comes only through sanctified, separated, spirit-filled saints. Our love for Christ must supersede everything else in life and be a reflection of the love that God has for us. Paul recognized God's power in prayer when he penned the letter to the Ephesians and to the Thessalonians, when he said simply, in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, Brethren, pray for us. So let's develop our prayer lives. Pray believing, pray specific prayer, and in and for all matters, simply pray. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that... Uh, we can access your power through the avenue of prayer. Indeed, I pray that you'd help me, that you'd help us to be the kind of vessel that can, that can pray mighty prayers before you, that we can see your mighty power working through us for, the, for your glory. Nothing for us, Lord. It's all about you. It's all about the souls of men. I just pray, God, that you'd continue to work to, to give the leadership of our church, Pastor Demolo, Pastor Humphrey, in the avenues and the ways that we're to go to use our, our monetary resources and our physical resources. Lord, that you'd gift them with knowledge on high about how to uh, lead this church. Empower them. I know that you've, your hand is with them. 
Lord, that we could uh, be moved greatly of you in this in these last days. Lord, let your power be with us in all things, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.